a bit. What I love about All Hail the Power of Jesus' name is that every verse kind of gives us a picture of what heaven will be like. I know often we don't think about it, but the second verse talks about the chosen seed of Israel's race and how that even though they were God's chosen people, they'll still have the same song that we have to sing. All Hail the Power of Jesus' name. Then the third verse talks about every kindred, every tribe, of course, the book of Revelation talks about people of every tribe and every tongue that in heaven their song will be the same as the chosen seed of Israel's race. All hail the power of Jesus' name. And then it talks about in the last verse, Oh, that with yonder sacred throng, we at his feet may fall. Then in heaven, all of us, just as the saved of generations past, just as Abraham and those who descended from him will all have the same message in heaven, will praise the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love even the song that we're about to sing, His Name is Wonderful, because I really believe that when we get to heaven, it's going to be something like this, where we just praise the name of Jesus day in and day out. We won't grow weary of it. 
we won't be tired of it because it's Wednesday night. It's been a long day, but we'll just come to Jesus' feet and be so excited about what he's done for us. I want you to sing this chorus with me. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. He is the mighty King, Master of everything. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. He's the great shepherd, the rock of all ages. Almighty God is He. Bow down before Him, love and adore Him. His name is wonderful, Jesus my Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord for the good singing tonight. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you, Brother Mike. Good evening. Glad you're here tonight. And open your Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter 7. It'll be a while before we get there, but uh, we will uh, get there. Um, continue to pray for Brother Monty and his family and uh, in the uh, days and uh, weeks to come as they uh, adjust uh, to new life without... Uh, Monty without his wife and without uh, mom, grandma, uh, church member. And uh, so you, uh, you pray about that. And then continue to pray for Sherry uh, Bickerstaff. They uh, took her back into surgery yesterday and did some trimming up around the area where they um, had amputated the toe. Uh, the, the doctor was overwhelmed with her progress to this point. And uh, it's Dr. Maeda, and uh, he's a Christian man. And uh, Sherry said, uh, well, it's because uh, a lot of people praying for us. And he said, oh, absolutely, there's no doubt about that. And I know all the time that, she, that Karen was in the hospital, um, he just commented on the fact that, you know, this is, a, this is a God thing. This lady is living because there is a God. And uh, so I appreciate physicians that uh, will acknowledge that. And continue to pray for Gwen um, Dunham as she uh, uh, continues to recover from the uh, accident she had uh, the fall that she took. And they got nine or 11 screws in her ankle. So remember to pray for her. And then uh, also for Miss Karen, it's good to see her in church. And uh, so you continue to pray for her. And I know that uh, she would appreciate that. Um, Brother Mike texted me just prior to service. And they said we could really use some more entries, uh, car entries in our trunk or treat event on the 31st. We could probably use five or six more uh, entries. Um, something we haven't, we haven't uh, uh, said is that uh, the first place uh, finisher, whoever gets the, the most votes or whoever the judges choose, will get $150. 
And so maybe that'll add a little incentive there. Um, second place would be $100, and third place would be $50. And so I think we're still having celebrity judges, is that right? So it's not any, uh, any of the staff or anybody judging, it's going to be celebrity judges. I mean, the biggest celebrities we could find in liberal Kansas anyway. And uh, so uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, it is. Our, fa- our uh, Facebook post is getting shared over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And uh, hopefully we won't get cut off guard this year. We're expecting a couple hundred, and we ended up around 2,000 um, last, uh, last Halloween. So anyway, looking for a good night and a lot of fun. Also, I appreciate the response we've had so far uh, with the bags of candy, but we need to probably uh, quadruple or times that five. Um, so if you haven't got in on that, would you do that for us? Um, you can imagine 2,000 people, that's a lot of candy, and uh, uh, so if, we, if you could help us with two or three or four or five bags, big bags, that would be wonderful, and drop them off at the Resource Center, we'll make sure that uh, they get to where they need to be, and uh, we've got a few other things added this year that, uh, that we're excited about, and so um, remember that, and uh, that'll be um, on the 31st. And um, then it's good to have, uh, there's she right there, Susan Boland uh, flew in for the uh, funeral today, and her and her husband Brick and their family were on staff here uh, for a few years, and it's good, uh, good to see them. You're in North Carolina now, in North Carolina, uh, serving there, so praise the Lord for that. Over the course of the last couple of weeks, um, and really even before that, um, I have, but, but especially the last couple of weeks, I have been asked on two different occasions about the subject of cremation. Um, Pastor, what, what do you think? What does the Bible say? Where, where does the church stand? Um, will you conduct the funeral of uh, someone who has chosen uh, to be cremated? And all of those are fair questions. Uh, They really are. And I appreciate those who are concerned with those matters. I I appreciate the fact that they're concerned about what the Bible has to say and and what God thinks uh, about it and not just thinking in terms of dollar signs and financial considerations. Uh, I mean, we throw it out there. It is considerably less expensive. Um, that, that's just the, the facts, that's, that's the truth of it. Uh, but I appreciate the inquiry into um, the spiritual aspect of it as well. And uh, so I'm going to try and do my best tonight uh, to give you some things to think about. The title really says it all. It's not black and white. Um, and what we, we've talked about this before. There are some gray areas in the Bible. Whether we want to admit it or not, um, there are. There are some issues that just are not uh, cut and dried as much as we would like to think they are. And certainly this is one of those areas uh, that falls uh, in, in what we would call um, a gray area. So again, I want to try and give you some things to think about tonight. Some things to... Um, talk about with your family and those that are involved in those kind of processes in your life, because honestly, that's about as good as I can get tonight. 
uh, is just giving, giving you some things to think about, giving you some things to, to consider. Um, I can't stand here and give you a definitive yes or a definitive no, not because I'm afraid to. You know me better than that. It's because the Bible doesn't give us a definitive yes or no. But there are some things to consider, and I'll, I'll toss those out to you um, tonight. Uh, and what I mean by, by a definitive answer, there, there is not a thou shalt or a thou shalt not. I think this is one of those issues that we have to treat like other issues of the same nature. We look at the as as much biblical evidence as we can find, and then we make it a matter of prayer, and then we do what we can with a clear and clean conscience. That's, that's about as good as we can get. And um, now as near as I can tell, uh, the beginning of cremation as far as a matter of standard practice in North America started in 1876. Now there were a couple of cremations recorded prior to that um, before 1800, but, but I'm talking about a, a ordinary common uh, practice in North America it was about 1876. As far as the numbers go, Back in 1962, only 5% um, of those who passed away were cremated. By 2000, that 5% had jumped to 25.5%. That number is projected to be over 50% this year, 56% in 2020, and a whopping 71% in the year 2030. Again, those are projected numbers. And so the uh, folks in that industry definitely see um, our culture trending in that direction to nearly 75% of all, all, all funerals um, or all uh, burials, I'm not sure how to put that, all services will be Cremation services, if I can put it that way. There are basically three questions that arise with regard to cremation. And those three questions are these. Is cremation a biblical practice? Does the Bible expressly forbid the cremation of the body? And number three, are there any biblical reasons for choosing burial over cremation. And so we're going to look at a lot of scripture tonight. Uh, we're going to turn to a lot of scripture tonight. So I hope you brought your Bible and you can turn along with us and, and read with us. And we're just going to tackle these three questions the best I can. And if we have any time left over, um, I'll allow you to ask some questions if you have um, any questions with respect to that. I'm not promising any answers, but I'll let you ask questions. I'm not going to blow a bunch of smoke at you. If I don't know, I'll just tell you I don't know, and uh, we'll move on. But number one, is cremation a biblical practice? Now, let me, let me define, and you'll see, if you know your Bible, you understand why I'm defining this. Let me define what I mean by creation or cremation. 
I'm talking about the burning of a human cadaver by other humans in which it is reduced to ashes. And the reason I want to give you that definition up front is because I'm not talking about examples in the Bible. Uh, let me throw out there Sodom and Gomorrah, where God rained down a fire and brimstone and destroyed everybody. I read some things today where uh, some folks said that was an example of cremation. That's not an example of cremation. That's, now, they got creamed, no doubt about that, but it's not cremation. Okay, so we know what we're talking about. Uh, where they, put the, the, they put the box in there, the flame goes up, that kind of thing, okay? Now, there are occurrences. There are other occurrences besides uh, Sodom and Gomorrah of people being burned to death by other humans. Um, but again, I'm not sure that they qualify as cremation because it wasn't done with any sense of dignity in mind. Does that make sense? There was no dignity there. It was, I'm angry at you. You know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna burn you to death. So that, again, that's not what I'm talking about. Look in, in Joshua 7, 25. Here's an example. Joshua chapter 7, verse 25. You know the context of Joshua chapter 7. Joshua 6, uh, children of Israel, the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. Boom, great victory. Everybody celebrates. Joshua chapter 7 rolls around. They've got a, a lesser enemy. We don't need to take everybody. We'll just take a few guys. They went out there and they got whipped. They, 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 I mean, they got beat bad. So they came running back with their... Uh, proverbial tails between their legs, and they just couldn't figure out. They just defeated this monstrous city, Jericho, and they go out against this little bitty army, and, and they, they get defeated soundly, and they couldn't figure it out. And finally, it is revealed that a man by the name of Achan transgressed the commandment of God. God was specific that they weren't to take anything and he stole a wedge of gold and a Babylonian garment, and he snuck them into his tent, and he hid them there in his tent. So now we've got sin in the camp. And it didn't fare too well. And God judged the Israelites and their little army by defeating them. I believe it was Ai was the, uh, was the, the army that defeated them. And so it's found out that Achan has done this, that Achan has transgressed uh, the commandment of the Lord. And we get down to the end of the chapter, chapter 7, verse 25, and Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them. This included his whole family. Achan's sin affected his entire family. The whole family dies because of Achan's sin. And Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. So again, I don't there were some that said, well, this is an example of cremation. I don't think that it's an example of cremation in the sense that people are asking me, Pastor, what do you believe about 
cremation, what does the Bible say? Where does the church stand? Um, we're not talking about this. Then there was no dignity here. Um, this, this happened uh, in a response to Achan's reprehensive behavior. There was anger here. There was judgment here. This was not cremation. Go to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 31. First Samuel chapter 21, and again, some would cite this as an example of cremation. I don't think it was, and I'll explain why in a moment, but look at verse 8. And David said unto Ahimelech, And is there not here under thine hand a spear and sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And this message requires the correct passage. I'm in chapter 21, no wonder. It always helps you get on the same page with the folks, doesn't it? All right, verse 8, it came to pass on the morrow... When the Philistines came to strip the slain, that they found Saul and his three sons fallen in Mount Gilboa. And they cut off his head and stripped off his armor and sent it into the land of the Philistines round about to publish it in the house of their idols and among the people. And they put his armor in the house of Ashtaroth, and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshed. And when the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead heard of that which the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan, and came to Jabesh, and burnt them there. And they took their bones, and buried them under a tree at Jabesh, and fasted seven days. Again, they burned the bodies. But in the sense that we're talking about cremation tonight, it doesn't fit into this category. Cremation, as we're talking about tonight, um, is the reduction of the entire body to dust, to ashes. That's not what happened here. So I, I don't believe that this was a cremation as we know it today. What I think happened in this particular situation is that most likely the bodies of Saul and his sons were disposed of in this manner to keep their enemies from desecrating them even more. They were trying to uh, heap some honor on Saul and his sons. They felt it was disgraceful what, what they had done by nailing him to a wall. And they wanted to save some dignity and honor. And so they stole the body. They burnt the body. They kept the bones. And as we just read, they buried the bones. So the answer uh, to the question, is cremation a biblical practice? I, I would say that you would be hard-pressed 
to call it a biblical practice. Even though I've showed you some instances where some bodies have been burned, those weren't with any dignity, uh, with, with the exception of what we just read, but even at that, it wasn't really cremation. So, does the Bible expressly forbid the cremation of the body? Here's the short answer, no. No, it doesn't. It doesn't expressly forbid the cremation of the body. But by and large, the example that is set forth in Scripture is that of burial. I mean, by and large, by a large amount, the biblical practice was burial. For example, Abraham was buried, Genesis 25, 8-10. Sarah was buried, Genesis 23, 1-4. Rachel was buried. Isaac was buried. Jacob was buried. Joshua was buried. Samuel was buried. David was buried. John the Baptist was buried. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 2, we read of Stephen and his burial as well. Even in difficult circumstances, and I understand that, that sometimes cremation is chosen because of, uh, of some, uh, some, some special circumstances. And, 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 and I get all that. I understand all that. But I want to show you something tonight that even in difficult circumstances, God's people of old practiced burial. For example, Joseph's body was kept in Egypt for 400 years. Then it was carried through the wilderness for another 40 years and finally buried in the promised land. Go to the book of Genesis chapter 50. I just told you what happened. Let's read it for ourselves. Genesis chapter 50. You still with me? All right, Genesis 50. Let's look at verses 24 and 25. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, so he's making them swear here, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. But he made them swear, promise me, that when God gets you out of here, that you will carry up my bones, that you will take my bones with you. He made them promise that. Exodus chapter 13 and verse 19. So now we're into Exodus. They're out, of, they're out of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. 
They kept their promise. Yes, we, we promise you, Joseph, we will do that. We will take your bones with us. And in verse 19, that's exactly what they did. For he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones away hence with you. And then go to the book of Joshua, chapter 24, and verse 32. Joshua then judges, if you get to judges, put on the brakes, throw it in reverse, back up a few pages. Joshua 24 and verse 32. So in Genesis, make me a promise that you'll take my bones with you. God's going to get you out of here. Take my bones with you. Book of Exodus, they get out of there, they take the bones. Moses said, bury them in the promised land. Well, look at Joshua chapter 24, and verse 32. The bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem, in a parcel of ground which Jacob bought of the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for an hundred pieces of silver, and it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. Now, here's my point tonight. It seems to me that it would have been much easier to have just gotten rid of the bones of Joseph. I mean, these people are hauling these bones everywhere. They go 40 years every day. The cloud moves, they move. All right, somebody grab them bones. Them bones, them bones, them stupid bones. So they grab the bones. I don't know who the bone guy was. That had to be a bummer of a job. Get another bone carrier. So some, some guy was responsible for them bones. And so every time they would move, he'd have to pack up them bones, take them bones with him. Hey, you got the bones? Yeah, I got the bones. Enough about the bones. I always get the bones. Somebody else carried the bones. It would have been, to me, it would have been saying, just lay them somewhere. Burn them up, whatever. But the point is, they chose burial. Does that make sense? They chose burial. I read it to you, got ahead of myself there in chapter 50. But I think it's interesting to note that even in the Old Testament, they practiced embalming. Joseph died, and they said they embalmed him. Go back to Genesis 50. We already read verse 26, but let's, uh, let's look at verses 1 through 3. Since I went to the trouble to type it in there, we're going to go to the trouble to read it. And Joseph fell upon his father's face and, and wept upon him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. And the physicians embalmed Israel or Jacob. And forty days were fulfilled for him, for so were fulfilled the days of those which are embalmed. And the Egyptians mourned for him threescore and ten days. So Joseph's father, Jacob, was embalmed. We just read the end of chapter 50, verse 26, where Joseph was embalmed. I just, I think that's interesting. They didn't just dispose of them. There was a process they went through, an embalming. Obviously, it wasn't the same uh, as we would do today, but they took care uh, to treat the body and, and to preserve whatever. Go to the book of 2 Samuel. Still with me? 
All right, this isn't the most, uh, the most exciting, but I hope we're going to be able to at least give you something to think about tonight. 2 Samuel chapter 21. When Rob Grant said, I uh, went to get my microphone, he said, I am very interested in what you have to say tonight. And I said, Brother Rob, I have absolutely nothing to say tonight other than what the Bible has to say to me. I said, the title says it all. It's not black and white. I'm just tossing some stuff out there, and, and you think about it. Verse 12, Sam, 2 Samuel 21, verse 12. And David went and took the bones of Saul... The bones of Jonathan, his son, remember, they had gotten, they had gotten Saul's body off, of the, off the wall. They'd taken out, they burned the bodies of Joseph, or, or excuse me, Saul and his sons. They kept the bones, and they buried the bones. So here's David, verse, uh, verse 12. In Jabesh Gilead, which had stolen them, from the street of Bethshan, where the Philistines had hanged them, when the Philistines had slain Saul in Gilboa. And he brought up from thence the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his, excuse me, his son, and they gathered the bones of them that were hanged. And the bones of Saul and Jonathan, his son, what's that next word? Buried they in the country of Benjamin, in Zelah, in the sepulcher of Kish his father. And they performed all that the king commanded. And after that, God was entreated for the land. So what we found in 1 Samuel, from what we found in 1 Samuel 31, and these verses here in 2 Samuel, the point I'm making is that great care was taken to give Saul and his sons a burial. Now, as to any biblical reasons, let's tackle this last question here. As to any biblical reasons for choosing burial over cremation, I want to offer you three thoughts tonight. Okay, these are not, the pastor Brady said you have to do this. I'm just giving you something to think about. Okay? Go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Here's the, here's the first thing. Again, the question is, are there any biblical reasons for choosing burial over cremation? Um, if, if I were making that choice and I were, were looking to the Bible, these are some things that I would consider tonight. Number one, burial looks forward to the resurrection. Uh, chapter 15 and verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead. Amen. And become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ's at his coming. Now jump over to verse 35. But some will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body? Do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain, 
But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. All the flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are celestial or heavenly bodies and bodies terrestrial or physical, earthly bodies. But the glory of the celestial, the heavenly, is one, and the glory of the terrestrial or the physical or earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body. And there is a spiritual body. So Paul, in defending the doctrine of the resurrection, gives the example of a farmer planting seed. The farmer plants his seed. And then the seed decays and it comes forth a new body of grain. The, the word that Paul used was dyes. The seed, Jesus used this, uh, uh, this illustration as well. Uh, the seed goes into the ground, it dies, and then it brings forth. Paul said, you don't, you don't, plant, uh, you, you don't plant an ear of corn. You don't plant the body that it will be. You plant the seed, it dies, and in God resurrects, if you will, brings to life the new body, the ear of corn. And so Paul is using an an illustration here. And by the same token, when we bury our Christian loved ones and friends, we are in essence planting the seed for the resurrection. Their bodies go into the ground, as does the seed. Their bodies decay as does the seed. Their bodies will come forth from the grave and will receive a new body, as does the seed. Does that make sense? Okay. Now now listen to me, because somebody may be be wondering. And, well, well, Pastor, what about, what about them people like went to seed? And their family, they say, I want, you to, I, want you to, I want you to spread my ashes in my favorite fishing hole. Listen, if you think for one moment <clears throat> that God can't bring all that together, you got a weak God. God said that we will be resurrected a new body. And we can't thwart God's promises. It doesn't matter what kind of wacky scenario you throw out there with the ashes. God's going to gather it all together. And there's going to be a new body. There's terrestrial bodies and there are celestial bodies. And praise God, we're going to have a new body. And so, again, nothing can thwart the promises of God. It doesn't matter um, what is done to your body after you die. It will be resurrected. Okay? Here's the second thought. God 
wants us to respect our bodies while we're living, and this is just an assumption on my part, but it seems that he would want us to do the same in our death. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And verse 19, you know this, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and, and ye are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Again, just the, the, simple, the simple thought is this, God wants us, this is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God wants us to respect our bodies on this side of the grave. And again, this is just, this is just my own private opinion, publicly expressed, that perhaps he wants us to respect our bodies on the other side of the grave as well. And then this, John chapter 19, the Lord was buried. Pure and simple, John chapter 19, the Lord was buried. Look at verse 38. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore, and he took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, a hundred-pound weight. And took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden and in the garden a new sepulcher wherein, he was, uh, wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus therefore because of the Jews preparation day for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. So there's what I have for you to think about tonight. Let me just give you a few closing remarks here. Please keep in mind that the way a person's body is disposed of is of no eternal consequence whatsoever. It doesn't mean that you'd somehow lose your salvation if you're cremated or that you lose your salvation if you have a loved one cremated. Listen, church, and I thought I'd at least get an amen there, Listen, this is not a matter of salvation. This has nothing to do with whether you go to heaven when you die. It has absolutely nothing to do with that. This is not a salvation issue. And then I want you to know this. That as your pastor, your choice will not affect the way I think of you. And yes, I will, I already have a number of times, and I will continue to conduct the funerals of those who choose or whose families choose for them uh, cremation. That's not going to stop me from honoring your memory or celebrating your life um, because, again, this is not a black and white issue. This is a matter of, of personal liberty it's a matter, matter of Christian freedom. Um, I don't believe anyone can be overly, though I know, you know, some of us independent Baptists, we tend to get that way sometimes. We get overly dogmatic about this way or the other. Um, but just mark it down. 
Anybody who thinks they can get dogmatic about this issue, uh, they're just wrong. Because you can't get dogmatic one way or the other. Um, but I would say this. Before you make a choice either way, then I would encourage you to talk it over with those who are the closest to you and make sure that you're all on the same page. Here's a little, here, here's a, here's a, here's a little help. You're going to be gone. And sometimes a pastor's left to referee the family. You need to have that settled. Don't leave it up to your family. Don't leave it up to your grandkids. Don't leave it up to your kids. Number one, we as parents or whoever, we shouldn't put that burden on our family. That ought to already be settled. It ought to be in writing. Um, I, want, I want to be buried. Or I want to be cremated, whatever your choice is. Pastor, what are you going to do? I'm going to live forever. <laughs> so I ain't going to have to worry about it. I wish. I, I, will, I, will, I will have my family bury me. Um, I just will. Uh, for a lot of the reasons that I just shared with you tonight. Um, I think it's, it's a matter of respect for the body. Um, I think it follows the overwhelming um, example that is set forth in, in the scriptures. Um, I, I am hard-pressed to come up with a, a solid uh, a biblical example of cremation, but yet I don't find anywhere where God condemns it. I don't find anywhere where God suggests it or condemns it. It's, it's a matter, again, of, of personal preference, and I'm not going to get all whacked out one way or the other. Um, you have to do your own research, your own biblical study. I give you a lot of stuff to think about. Pray about it, consider it, and then you do what your conscience will let you do. And I don't say that as a matter of putting some guilt trip on you. Um, you do what your conscience will let you do. You've talked with your family. You know what their wishes are, what they would like to see done. Take that into consideration, and then you make the best decision that you possibly can. Fair enough? Any questions? Yes, sir. And when I was doing some reading today, uh, the number one reason for cremation is financial considerations. That's the number one reason. Secondly, there are some states that are starting to require that, some districts that are starting to require that because of, like you said, running out of space. So that's, that's something to consider as well. All right, anybody else? Any questions? Yes, sir, Brother Bob. Well, thank you. Thank you, Brother Bob. All right, anybody else? All right, guys, you come, and uh, we'll get ready for the offering.